The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Come now, fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mountain fixed upon it. Welcome you to Pilgrim's Progress today. We are involved in a cosmic battle, a controversy that is so intense. It is personal and it is corporate. The mighty powers of darkness have come against every one of us and lied to us, told us that we cannot win that we are defeated, that it's impossible. He is a, a thief and a liar, a murderer from the very beginning. Now, this great controversy requires that we not be unconscious of the battle that is going on for our souls. And Satan is out after your soul. And if you just cruise on through, he'll have you. It takes no effort on your part to be swept in to the devil's side of the controversy. You are already there naturally. It takes a very devoted heart to say, Lord, I'm going through. Now, we're given some very specific direction regarding how we're to prepare and how we're to walk in this war. It's found in the book of the church, the book of Ephesians, the sixth chapter. Finally, my brethren, you must be strengthened in the Lord 
in the power of his might. You must put on the whole armor of God. For you to be able to stand against the scheming methods of the devil, for our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers of first rank, against the authorities, against the world rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual forces of the wickedness in the heavenly places. For this reason you must take up the full armor of God, so that you may be able to stand firm in the wicked day, having overcome in all things to stand as victors. You must stand, therefore, having tightened the belt around your waist with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having put on your feet, shoes with the readiness and reference to spreading the gospel of peace and beside all these things take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the wicked one also take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god with all prayer and entreaty praying at every time in the Spirit. And because of this very thing, keeping watch in all steadfastness and entreaty concerning all the holy ones and praying in my behalf so that a word may be given to me in the opening of my mouth in plainness of speech to make known the mystery of the gospel in behalf of which I am an ambassador in captivity, so that I may freely speak as it is necessary for me to speak. The war is on. You can't cruise through. And some of you think, oh, I can sit down and watch hours of television. I can watch all the sports. I can go through all these worldly things. And I'm okay because I go to church on Sunday and I love Jesus and I'm saved and I'm on my way to heaven. Are you kidding me? This is not a beach party. This is a war zone. And there are casualties in this war zone. Now you need to understand there are casualties in this war zone. And you may be a casualty if you don't have yourself armed and ready and prepared for the battle. It is a cosmic battle. It is a battle between the powers of darkness and the powers of light, between the devil and Jesus. And we saw the foreshadowing of the final battle that is now beginning to be underway. The great battle right now, we will see the Antichrist arise. We will see incredible persecution in America as we are seeing in most other parts of the world. And there will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be volcanoes and earthquakes and famines and pestilence. People are going to die. Everything that we have seen is going to be turned upside down. The war is on, and this is the final war. You and I, I don't know how we were blessed to live at this time in Earth's history, but this is the final time of Earth's history. Everything is going to unwind and we're going to see the fullness of who Jesus is because we're going to see him soon face to face. <laughs> I'm so eager to see Jesus. I'm so tired of the battle. Pray for me that I'll have strength to fight the battle. But I want to go back and I want to look with you at this battle as it was played out between the Lord God of heaven and Pharaoh. 
Pharaoh obviously is on is the devil's representative. And Moses is God's representative. And we see the battle unfold. The conflict is being waged between Moses and Pharaoh on the ground chosen by the Lord God of heaven. The battle was not merely for Israel's deliverance from bitter bondage. It was not fought and won solely that Israel might be able to go forth and possess the land promised to her fathers. In other words, Israel was not going to be delivered so they could just go and live their lives in a wonderful, wonderful land flowing with milk and honey. That's not the issue here. The one purpose to which every other must be subject to is that Israel was being called to dwell in God's temple to be a holy people, to be priests representing the Most High God. Israel was redeemed to be his people. Her one mission was to serve Jehovah, the Lord God of heaven. No other demand would have adequately stated the claim that God was now making and urging in the face of all humanity. No other could have so set forth God's claim as the claim of Pharaoh. Pharaoh said, the people, they are mine. I will not let them go. God said, the people, they are mine. You must let them go. They have been created and chosen to serve me. The conflict between Moses and Pharaoh was a conflict being waged over the destiny of a race, its place in history and in the service of humanity. Was Israel to be a slave or a priest? Egypt's beast of burden or the anointed of Jehovah? That was the question. And was it possible that God could have done other than put the question written so large before Pharaoh? He did not ask Pharaoh to release his people. He commanded him to release his people. Pharaoh was not in charge. God was. Now, I hope you heard that. The devil is not in charge. God's in charge. And God's word is what's going to be carried forth. Now, the devil's going to fight. He's going to battle. He's going to throw all kinds of dirt in the air. He's going to try to hide. He's going to try to lie. He's going to try to cheat. He's going to attack you bitterly in this battle. But God's will is what rules, not the devil's. And so we pick up the story of Moses and this great controversy. They have Moses and Aaron come out of the desert. They have gone to Pharaoh or they have gone to the children of Israel, to the elders, and they have talked with them. They have shared with them the signs that God gave them. In way of review, you remember there were three signs. One was cast your rod down, your staff, cast it down, and it became a snake. That snake represented the devil. Now Moses ran from that serpent. And God called him back and he said, no, you don't run from the devil. You grab him by the tail and you jerk him up. And when you do, he'll become a staff in your hand again. God's staff, because God's in charge here, not the devil. Are you running from the devil today? 
Are you saying, this addiction is hopeless, I can never break its power? That's a lie from the devil. Every addiction is broken, every bondage is broken by the blood of Jesus Christ. So first and foremost, the Israelites had to see, we don't run from the devil. Secondly, he put his hand in his, the fold of his garment and he took it out and it was leprous. That is, it was a symbol of utter sin and degradation. That's what sin does. It mars. It makes it bleed. It hurts. Oh, it may seem like fun at the get-go, but in the end, it's bitter. This was the condition of the children of Israel. They were the leprous hand. And God said, put your hand back in your garment. He put it back in, he took it out, and it was clean and healed and whole. That's the promise of God. He's going to wash and cleanse and heal every sore of the children of Israel's. Third sign was to pour water out on the ground. And when the water hit the ground, it turned to blood. It was a symbol saying, if you are not cleansed from this leprosy of sin, you will die. If you do not obey the Lord, Pharaoh, you're going to die. You and your nation, they are going to die. Terrifying. Now, it's of interest to me that when they went before the elders... They did all three of these signs. But when they went to Pharaoh, they did not do the second sign. Now the children of Israel are very excited because God is concerned for them. He's going to open the way for them. The people are excited. And the next morning when they get up, they don't go to their jobs. Because Moses is on his way with Aaron to go talk to Pharaoh, and they're out of there. So Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord had commanded he raised his staff in the presence of Pharaoh and his officials, threw it down on the ground. It became a snake. Pharaoh then summoned his wise men, and he asked them to do the same thing. And so by their secret arts, they threw down their staffs, became a snake. But Aaron's staff then swallowed the staff of the Pharaoh's magicians, showing that God's power was supreme. And then they picked the snake up and it became a staff again. They then saw that Pharaoh's heart was unyielding. He refused to do what he was told to do. Now recognize we're dealing here with the mighty Pharaoh of Egypt. He thinks he's God. His people worship him as God. They tell him he is God. But he's not God. He's just Pharaoh. And next to the Lord God of heaven, he's small potatoes. He doesn't rank. 
Now, what's interesting to me is that they go to Pharaoh and they ask him, they tell him, They tell him to let the people go. And of course, he refuses. He won't do it. His heart is unyielding. He refuses to let the people go. Now, I'm going to tell you what happened to Moses. And this is hard. I don't know how to even talk about it. Every one of us have faced this. We've been there. We find this story in the fifth chapter of Exodus. after Aaron has gone to Pharaoh and commanded him to release the people, Pharaoh rebukes them. He tells them, look, you're stopping the people from work. Tell the people to go back to work. He's livid. He's angry. And then he says, pardon me, let's make the work harder. Let's give them no reason to pay attention to these lies. The slave drivers are told, tell them to go get their own straw. They do. They don't produce the number of bricks that are necessary. They beat the leaders of the children of Israel. The Israelite foremen realize that they're in trouble when they're told, You are not to reduce the number of bricks required for you each day. And they leave Pharaoh, and they find Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. And they said, May the Lord look upon you and judge you. You've made us a stench to Pharaoh and his officials, and you've put a sword in their hands to kill us. In the Hebrew, it's literally a curse. They cursed Moses. Their hearts are filled with unbelief, despair, brokenness. They don't want to hear anything Moses has to say. They turn their back on him. And Moses goes back to the Lord And he says, O Lord, why have you brought this trouble upon this people? Is this why you sent me? For ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble upon this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. Now, let's take a moment and consider this. Moses was told in advance that God was not going to deliver them that day. He knew that going in, intellectually. But emotionally, he has seen everything crash and burn, especially because now the children of Israel don't want to even see him or talk to him. They curse him. And Moses crumbles inside. Moses was filled with unbelief already about this project. He already doubted that anything worthwhile could be done, but God had commanded him to go. And so in obedience to the Shekinah glory of God, he had gone. He did what God told him to do. It was now a total wreck. It was over. As far as Moses was concerned, he was ready to pack up and head back to the desert to take care of his sheep. His life was over. This was his second try to deliver the children of Israel. 
and he had utterly failed, and he blamed God for the failure. Now, it's very plain that we can crash and burn in this faith walk. There are times when everything looks utterly impossible. There is no way through. Our heart is rent and bleeding. We've poured out our life for this. It is failing. And then if you add on this the mistakes that we've made, the errors in judgment that we've made, and we begin to blame ourselves and say, I knew I couldn't speak the way I should speak. I knew I was not prepared or equipped. I knew I didn't have the skill to pull this off. And so I finally just said, I'll follow my heart and I'll grab what I can grab. And you crash and burn and every judgment of Satan comes against you and says, you were wrong. You might as well just fold up your tent and leave town. Ever felt that way? Now you have two choices at that point. Fold up your tent and leave town. (laughs) Or turn to the Lord and cry out to him. Now, Moses did not have the strength to cry out to the Lord. He was too broken. But I want to read to you from the scriptures how God responded to his brokenness. And I want to tell you this is why I worship the Lord God Almighty. He is not like the slave driver Satan who adds more work and more abuse and more hardship, and never can you do anything to please the devil. No matter how hard you try, you can't please the devil. He will still come against you with all of his nastiness, his words, his cutting, cutting edges. Oh, I tell you, a person who is controlled by the devil can do the cruelest things, can say the most wicked things, can take actions that strip and beat you. That's not who God is. That's not how God functions. Listen. As Moses is in this lowest possible place, a place of utter, broken hopelessness. He has been rejected by his own people, and he feels utterly rejected by the Lord God of heaven and left to hang out and dry, to die. And then the Lord says to Moses, chapter 6 of Exodus, verse 1, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. So God is saying, look, Moses, not only is he going to let the people go, he's going to drive them out. He's going to want you to leave. God also said to Moses, I am that I am. I I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I am, I did not make myself known to them. I I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan where they lived as aliens. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving, 
and I have remembered my covenant. Please, my brother, my sister, it's not so much what you think. It's what God thinks. He goes on. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people. I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you up out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. I am. I will. I will. I am. I will. God is stating plainly, I'm in charge. I'm the one who determines what happens, not Pharaoh, not the devil. We've got to hear that in our lives. It's God who determines what's going to happen. It's not the devil who will determine what your fate is. It is God who will decide. Now, some of you have said, well, I'm going to have to work three jobs. I don't have one moment to read the scriptures or to pray. I have to work, work, work. I'm exhausted with working. That's the devil who does that to you. It's not God. The Lord God of heaven wants to deliver you. He wants to get your foot out of that snare of the devil. He wants to set you free. He wants to deliver you from Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Then the Lord says to Moses, Go, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the Israelites go out of this country. But Moses said to the Lord, If the Israelites will not listen to me, why would Pharaoh listen to me, since I speak with faltering lips? That is, I speak with uncircumcised lips. In other words, I'm not walking in the power of the Spirit. Why should I go and say anything? I understand that. I feel like I've come today to this broadcast and I'm speaking with uncircumcised lips. I'm speaking with faltering lips. But I know I was commanded to come and speak this message to you. I know that this message will have no impact on your heart. You'll turn it off. You'll go away. If God doesn't move in your heart, if he doesn't quicken you, if the Holy Spirit is not working in your heart right now, you're going to turn it off. You're not going to listen. Lord, I ask right now, would you move in the heart of every person listening? Would you breathe into them your spirit? Lord, I have uncircumcised lips. I've not been endued with the power of heaven yet. Lord, Moses hadn't yet been endued with the power of heaven. He'd been given permission to give some signs, but that's all he could do. It wasn't enough, Lord. Signs won't win this city of Washington, D.C. You're going to have to come in mighty power, Almighty God. You're going to have to come and address this city by power to turn the hearts of people. Lord, you're the one that made my lips. You're the one that makes a man deaf and, and mute. You're the one that gives me the ability to speak. 
Lord, I ask, would you come right now? Would you begin to hover over this city? Would you begin to bring forth a great cry of repentance in this city of Washington, D.C.? Lord, start with every person listening to this broadcast. Lord, turn our hearts and let us see the battle for what it is and see the stakes for this battle, even our very own salvation. Lord God, send forth your Spirit now by your might and your power. Lord, call after your people. Break their bondage. Set them free. Fill their hearts with courage and faith and hope and love. Raise up your people, almighty God. Many are about to fall fully under the power of Satan and be swept away. Lord, save your people. Save your people. Lord, we have learned to lean on the arm of the human wisdom. We've learned to lean on the arm of human understanding and human knowledge. And Lord, it does not work for salvation. It only works to build religion. Lord, I didn't... I didn't have my heart changed by religion. I had it by meeting you, Jesus. I had my heart changed by by walking with people who love you. Lord, would you come now? Thank you, Jesus. Now the people won't talk to Moses. He speaks with faltering lips. Why would anybody listen to him? Why would anybody listen to me? It's interesting to me that more than 8,500 of you came and clicked on the web page this last month alone. But very few of you stayed and listened to a broadcast compared to the 8,500-plus people who came to visit the webpage. Why? Well, it tells me that the Holy Spirit is beginning to stir in your hearts. but you're not yet willing to repent. I speak with faltering lips yet. Why would you listen? And then the Lord said to Moses, See, I've made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. You're to say everything I command you, and your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of his country. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my miraculous signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. And then I will lay my hand on Egypt with mighty acts of judgment, and I will bring out my divisions, my people, the Israelites, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the children of Israel out. And Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. So we have a clear understanding of what a prophet is. A prophet is one who hears the very words of God and speaks those words with power and authority. And those words convict and turn the hearts of people, either making them angry so they kill the prophet or they repent. But there is no middle ground. 
My dad used to say to me, Raymond, when you preach, you either make people mad or you convert them. (laughs) I recognize I don't have the power to do either one. It has to be the power of God moving in the words that does that. So now we find a totally different Moses. God has breathed into his heart courage, faith, power. And that's when he went to Pharaoh and threw his staff down and it became a snake. And then they didn't do the next signs. A week later, he's told to go out to the water, the Nile River, and wait for Pharaoh to come out to the place where he would come and bathe. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he goes out to the water. Verse 15, this is Acts seven fifteen. Then say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to say to you, Let my people go, so they may worship me in the desert. But until now you've not listened. This is what the Lord says. By this you will know that I am the Lord. With this staff, the staff in my hand, I will strike the waters of the Nile, and they will be changed into blood. The fish in the Nile will die, the river will stink, the Egyptians will not be able to drink its water. So Moses took the staff and he stretched it out over the waters. And they became like blood. They became blood, the scriptures say. Blood everywhere in Egypt. Even in the wooden buckets and the stone jars. Now, Pharaoh commanded his officials, his sorcerers, to do the same thing, and they did. They only increased the amount of blood, however. Pharaoh's magicians were functionally of the devil, and they could not do the sign that would have caused Pharaoh to smile. If the Egyptian sorcerers had been able to wave their staff over the water and have the water turn from blood back into fresh water, that would have been a miracle. Instead, all they could do was increase the amount of blood. All the devil can do is increase your misery and your suffering. He will never relieve you of your pain. All relief is found in Jesus Christ. Hear what I'm saying. The devil can't release you. He can just put you in more and more bondage. Pharaoh's heart was hard. He wouldn't listen to Moses and Aaron. Instead, he turned and went back to his palace and did not take the blood to heart, the blood a symbol of God's judgment and death to come upon the nation. Pharaoh is acting in ways that will assure him of his son's death. But it's like he is unconscious. You can be doing things and saying things that will result in the death of your family. But if you're unconscious of it, what good will it do? Well, a week passes, and at the end of the week, the Lord said, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, This is what the Lord says. Let my people go so they may worship me, and if you refuse to let them go, I will plague your whole country with frogs. The Nile will teem with frogs. They will come up into your palace and your bedroom and onto your bed, into the houses of your officials and on your people and into your ovens and kneading troughs. The frogs will go up on you and your people and all your officials. Now, frogs were considered to be unclean. And in Scripture, they represent unclean spirits. Remember the three frogs that 
came from the mouth of the wicked one in the book of Revelation. So the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand with your staff. And he did, and the frogs came. And the magicians did the same thing with their secret arts. They also made frogs come up on the land. Now I want you to see something. The magicians of Pharaoh are finally set apart totally and completely from God's representatives because all they can do is increase the uncleanness of the land. They cannot wash the land. They cannot heal the land. And Pharaoh is forced because the Egyptians hate uncleanness, even though they worship the devil. They hate these frogs coming up on their beds, getting in their food, hopping on their table. He is forced to call Moses and say, Pray to the Lord. That is, pray to the Almighty to take the frogs away from me and my people, and I will let your people go to offer sacrifices to the Lord. Moses said to Pharaoh, Okay, I'll leave it to you. To your honor, you set the time when you want the frogs to be gone, and I'll pray and God will rid the frogs except those that remain in the Nile. So now God is disciplining Pharaoh like a child. Pharaoh can't go to his magicians and say, would you please get rid of these frogs? No, they can't. All they can do when they try to get rid of them is more frogs come. Some of you today, I hear in the Spirit, are struggling with lust, anger, unforgiveness. Some of you today are struggling with sin. And the more you struggle, the more you sin. The more you try to forgive, the harder your heart becomes. Evil spirits will never set you free. And the more you try to be free, the more you will be in bondage. There's only one way you can be set free. You have to go to the Lord God of heaven and ask him to take away the anger, the bitterness, the lust. You have to ask him to take away the laziness from your heart, the casualness, the love of the world. You have to ask him to remove this from your heart. And he will hear you, and he will answer you. And then he says to you, Okay, I'll remove that from your heart. Now, will you serve me? And you can even make vows. In the heat of the pain of whatever situation is going on, you're saying, Lord, if you'll deliver me, I'll serve you. And then he takes it away. You find relief, and you say, I'm not really going to serve God. And so God then has to bring the next suffering upon you, the next plague. He has to send into your life. These first plagues, the plague of the blood, saying, if you don't turn, and obey the Lord God, you will die. 
Here are the frogs, the total uncleanness of your life. And then you go to God. You ask him to remove it. And then there's one more plague that he brings of uncleanness, and that is gnats. He tells, the Lord God of heaven tells Moses, have Aaron stretch out the rod. He doesn't even go give Pharaoh an opportunity. He probably did it in a public place, and it was probably told exactly what happened to Pharaoh. But the Lord said, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the ground. And throughout the land of Egypt, the dust will become gnats. They did this, and when Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff and struck the dust of the ground, gnats came from upon man and animal. The magicians tried to create gnats, and they couldn't do it. And they said finally to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. Pharaoh, you're in over your head. We're in over our head. We can't do this. This is God. This is the Almighty. We need to pay attention here. These gnats were considered by the Egyptians to be filthy, dirty, unclean. The first three plagues are representing the total uncleanness of the land. This great cosmic battle that is being fought is to uncover the uncleanness of every man and woman's heart. The unbridled lust of your flesh, the pride and the arrogance and the hardness, the greed, the jealousy of your heart, it's to uncover. Now will you pray for the Holy Spirit to come? and heal you. Lord, I pray for every person who has listened to this broadcast. I ask that you would send forth your Holy Spirit to bring deep conviction of heart, that your people would repent. O Lord, I speak with faltering lips, but I'm trusting you to move in power. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We'll continue tomorrow our study in the plagues of Egypt. The great controversy between good and evil. The cosmic battle. I'd love to hear from you. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel. Post Office Box 2346. That's Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I haven't heard from a number of you. I'd love to hear how you're doing. I'd love to have you again step in and support. You can go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. I love you, my brother, sister. You've listened to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray. Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ.